Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Coifcast. A very special episode because we got a win on Friday, didn't we? And it's always better to talk after a win, and we'll be doing that at length during this episode. This is episode 11. Thank you so, so much to everyone who listened to episode 10, which was something a little bit different. We did a crossover episode with the Wakefield Trinity Heritage podcast. So another massive thank you to those guys. Um, hope they've been okay this week. <laughs> hope they're all right, I suppose. Um, but yeah, that was a lot of fun uh, last week. So I hope you enjoyed that. If you got a chance to listen, um, do listen back as well, because it's quite nice to listen to in hindsight. And there's a lot of kind of general season stuff in there as well. But thanks for the support on that one. But we're back to more usual programming uh, this week. Obviously, we've got a game to have talked about on Friday. We've got a game this week. And some very big news just in the world of rugby league, which is what we're going to kick off today's episode with. Uh, I'm Ross Williams, as always, your host, and a, a very kind of permanent fixture now of the, the Coifcast, but by all means, uh, Adam Hughes is here as well. Um, Adam, um, welcome back. Uh, how are you doing, mate? How's things? I'm good. Thanks for having me back, as always. It's always a pleasure to come and talk everything uh, Cast Tigers. Um, it's a topic me and you kind of go back and forth on through the week, no matter what, anyway. Um, so it's nice to come and do it in audio form for the uh, people at home. But yeah, I'm doing good. Everybody uh, nice and smiley after Friday night. Um, a little bit nervous when we were doing the podcast with the guys at the Wakefield Trinity Heritage. Uh, once again, thank you for those guys. Um, nice little uh, two-hour chat with them, which was uh, long, but it's very insightful. And it covered kind of, as you said, a lot of this season and some of his favourite cast wakey moments from from years gone by as well. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was a, lot of, a lot of good, a lot of good stuff in there. And uh, like I said, I do wish those those two guys, maybe not Wakefield Trinity on the whole, but I wish those two guys on the, all the best. And uh, uh, I'm sure I'm sure we'll meet again at some point down the line. And this kind of podcast community it seems to be blossoming across Super League and uh, even the Championship as well. So uh, yeah, I'm sure we'll cross paths again. Um, right, let's get into it then. As I said, there's some big, big old just rugby league news to get onto before we actually kind of just wax lyrical about Friday, I suppose, which I'm sure we will. Uh, to an extent. Uh, we've also got a ton of your questions, so thank you very much for sending those through the week. We're just kind of going to embed those throughout the episode rather than just doing a Q&A section because that would be the whole pod. Um, so we will get to as many of your questions as I possibly can. Um, but we're going to start with the new TV deal. It's a massive, massive story. Every single time it comes around, every two, three, four years, whatever it might be, it's a massive deal because, as we're going to explain very shortly, and I'm sure you already know, it really is crucial to the survival of the game over here at this point. Um, it's a shame it's got to be like that, and it's a shame the sport can't stand on its own two feet and kind of dictate where it's going to be uh, broadcast and all that kind of thing, but that's really not the situation we are in. Um, the current deal, which we're on right now, uh, is worth about 24 million quid. It's a two-year deal we signed with Sky Sports two years ago. Um, that is running out at the end of the year. We knew that was going out to tender. I mean, various rumours about how it's going to go uh, for 2024 onwards. There was talk about uh, the zone making some kind of bid. There was rumours about TNT, which of course is the, the new BT Sports. I think they were red herrings, if I'm being brutally honest. And I don't think there was much coming from those ways, but I understand why they kind of threw those names out into the press to try and create a little bit of a bidding war. Although, as you can tell, there probably wasn't much of a bidding war. Um, the story kind of broke this morning. The they finally come to some kind of conclusion on this. Uh, that is Rugby League Commercial, who now looks after all of um, all of well, commercial and marketing, I guess, for Rugby League, along with IMG, obviously the uh, the partners we've got. And 
the, the entire rugby community was extremely downbeat this morning. I think it's fair to say there was a lot of pessimism. Um, basically, the initial story broke from uh, Matthew Shaw, uh, who claimed we have signed a three-year deal. It's staying with Sky Sports, um, but there has been a reduction in the deal. So from $24 million, there's no guarantee what it is. We don't know the exact figure, but he kind of insisted that it's around the £23 million mark. Uh, so a reduction of about a million quid per year. Um, so yeah, tons of pessimism uh, this morning. Lots of arguing between back and forth between fans, kind of not knowing what's going on. Um, before we get into kind of the nitty gritty of it, and obviously we've learned a little bit more now, what was your kind of initial take when you read that story this morning, Adam? Well, your initial reaction, what you see first off is a reduction in the money, which immediately alarm bells start ringing when you start seeing money going down, obviously. The money for the current deal that we're on is down, is down significantly from the deal previous, which I think was around forty million a year. Yeah. So to go from forty to twenty four was kind of a big drop, and then to see it go down once again, um, on the surface, just from that point, it's a little bit worrying. Um, but having seen that it's it's only a million, which I mean for everyday people saying only a million's um, a little bit interesting. But these clubs, um, a lot of them seem to. Like reports coming out that they've known that this amount of money were coming in, um, this kind of lowered amount. So they've been planning, they've been able to sort of plan budget for next year. Um, and I think the good thing is that it's not a drastic reduction from what we've been kind of operating on already for the last couple of years. I think there was some positivity around it being a three-year deal, which offers some security. If we're going back, if we'd have gone again for another two-year deal, it's almost like we've got 12 months and then we'll be back to square one going out to tender already. Yep. And we'd feel probably maybe I, the guy at IMG or RL commercial won't have had enough time to change things or move things forward that we might want to heading into the next TV negotiation deal. Um, so having three years to sort of have that little period and kind of get plans rolling. We've obviously got the licensing and things that should be coming into play next year or the year after it's a, a bit of a uh, scrambled timetable that we've got at the moment I think um, a lot of things that I was seeing from fans and people, reports coming out from clubs is um, the communication from IMG and RL Commercial has been a bit lacking mm. so there's been a bit of a confusion of what's going on when things are going to be coming into place and I think as fans you see it all around sort of Super League when it comes up and people are having conversations around uh, grading and licensing is when it is actually coming into place and when is it going to take uh, kind of control of who's in Super League and um, it'll be interesting to see now the reaction obviously that after the announcement that has come out very recently to see the reaction of fans now Yeah, I think there's going to be more positivity now Um as of about six o'clock this evening than they were in the initial report came out at 9am. Um, it seems that the, the clubs themselves were briefed by RL Commercial about 2pm today uh, on the kind of interest on the actual details. And then we saw it a little bit, a little bit later on on social media. Uh, I will read the statement that RL Commercial come out with because this is the, the really crucial part because, uh, well, just to finish off on that. Yeah, yeah, my initial take this morning was there was a slight bit of positivity that it was three years I, I, for, the, right, for the reason you say. It stops you got having to go to the table next year again. You've got at least a little bit of grace period there. It's not too much, too far of a reduction in, in, in that sense, as you say. 
a million quid, a million quid is a lot of money. But I mean, essentially, for those unaware, the TV deal, the TV money, the, the actual pot of money essentially we get from Sky is what goes back to the clubs to pay for players. I mean, that, that's what it is. Um, it's, it's your central funding, essentially. That, that's what it actually is. So a million split between what thirty-two clubs or whatever it is actually is. I know, I know that's kind of on proportion, but even so, it's it's not that much, quote unquote. Uh, but obviously, you don't want to be losing it. Um, of inflation, <laughs> I won't lie. I mean, we are in a you know look, look at the rate of inflation in the UK at the moment uh, across the board, and the fact it has reduced two years uh, two years late is a shame, but. As I'm going to get onto, I did look at it and, and went, you know what, this is disappointing unless there's some real added value on this. And it would appear there is some added value. And it's, it's interesting to see how it's going to kind of roll out. And that's what we'll discuss in a sec. But here's what the statement said. So under the proposed deal, the partnership would include the live broadcast of every, that's a key word, every Super League fixture to the UK and worldwide, a transformative development of the competition. This would also allow for video match officials to be appointed for every match, and there would also be the continuation of a free-to-air window. Um, that's a lot to take in, really, because we are coming out of a period where at the absolute most you get three of the six games televised, obviously two games on Sky, but sometimes one game on Channel 4. I think they've had about 10 over the course of the year. This idea that every single one of the six games every single week is going to be broadcast in some way, shape or form, I think is a massive step. Um, it kind of puts us online with kind of other major sports. We've been lagging behind in that respect. Um, and the fact that video match officials are involved in that as well. I mean, we've been crying out for that for years. I mean, that's been discussed as part of Sky Deals, potentially as part of Sky Deals for a very long time. And it's it's long, long overdue because obviously you, the, the, there's matters of kind of credibility for the competition, obviously, when certain games are played under different rules. Um, essentially, you've, we've had similar things uh, in football with VAR and, you know, they're, they're quickly kind of trying to remedy that. Um, and and the possibility that there is still the free-to-air window. We, Channel 4 do not have a deal signed at the moment, uh, as far as we're concerned, but I'd be very surprised if Channel 4 were not very keen on it. Uh, mm. At the moment, they're not paying us any money for it, but I'd like to think going forward they would. And um, this was a bit of a trial period for the two years. So, yeah, I mean on the face of it, a reduced deal in terms of the actual central funding is a shame. But in terms of the actual added value we're getting in terms of every single game is being broadcast in some way, shape or form, and we'll discuss in a sec where we think that's going to be broadcast. Surely that's positive, isn't it, Adam? You've got to see it as a positive thing. Being able to get more eyes on the sport is always a good thing. Whether that's via Sky, via Channel 4, by the Our League app, which is probably the three outlets at the moment that we're kind of seeing um, these games being broadcast. Being able to have more, you'd hope, consistency with video refing being available at every single game only improves the product um, because you're able to make those t uh, difficult decisions that send it upstairs. We've seen it in the NRL with a bunker. Um and watching NRL games, these decisions almost take place seamlessly and are able to be made quicker rather than it kind of being in the process that we currently have where it's um, the referee stops the game, puts his hands in the air, uh, gives a try-no-try -no -try decision. Uh, the bunker kind of almost does it automatically and he's always watching kind of for rules to be able for uh, infringements to be able to jump in, uh, which is, is, is absolutely perfect. Um for a product standpoint, 
think it's just a positive. We can look back to this morning and say that it's probably been a 180 in his, in his moods. Yeah. Um, especially yours. I, I believe some messages you sent me this morning. I think I was talking you down off a bridge at some point um, <laughs> when you when you first saw that that uh, announcement. So it's 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 a move in the right direction, I believe. Mm. And I believe it, it comes under sort of IMG's want to kind of improve the product and put a bit of onus onto clubs to kind of market themselves and become their own kind of champions. Yeah. Uh, to grow themselves and grow the sport as a whole. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. I think it's, yeah, as you say, I, I wasn't particularly impressed this morning. Um, having read this, and I, I did tweet this myself, but I, I had to come with like two kind of, I, I kind of tweeted around midday that, you know, I, I'm only happy with the reduced deal if there's one of two things happening. It, potentially both of those things are happening, um, mm-hmm. which you can't argue with it too much. So yes, Sky are giving £1 million less per year or around a £1 million less a year. But that's going to be easily covered and beyond in terms of they're covering the cost of uh, broadcasting every game with a video Absolutely. record. That's well above a million quid, uh, multiple millions in order to mm. do that. I think the interesting thing in, obviously we don't, we only have this statement. We literally have one paragraph to go off yeah. at the moment. So it's going to be interesting to see how it actually gets um, communicated at some point. Is Obviously all these games are going to be, well, as I say, filmed at the very mm. least. There's going to be three, four cameras there. There's going to be video after each game. So the capacity to broadcast all of these games is going to be there. It remains to be seen. I mean, they are going to be Sky Sports productions in, so, in some way, shape or form, but it remains yeah. to be seen how many are actually going to be on Sky Sports Arena or Action, whatever it might be. Will they just stick to the Thursday, Friday as they are? Will they just have two a week? Do they Are they just going to hope to, are they going to put all six games on TV across the weekend, if that's what they're thinking? Or is it a matter of sticking to the two they've got on actual TV uh, under, the, under the subscription? And are the other games just because they're just there as products? Are they? Where are they going to go? Are they going to go on the Sky Sports YouTube channel, which they've used before? Uh, yeah. Trial that. Uh, Our league obviously is an option. I know the Leeds Warrington game was available for a tenner yesterday or six fifty mm. if you got there early doors. Um, yeah, you talked about it's interesting when you talked about obviously IMG's um, want for the clubs to kind of market themselves. I mean, the ultimate excuse takeoff away would be okay, here's footage to every single game you've got. Do what you want with it. Make yeah. some money. That would be amazing if that's possible. If they've gone, right, we've covered the cost of covering every single game. You can sell every away game to your fan base mm. if you set up a streaming service for us. I mean, it's a long-term move, this. It's a proper, progressive long-term move, I think. And it'll take a little bit of getting used to. And I think as Rugby League fans, as, as Rugby League media, I mean, that the journalists would, like I say, they were on the bridge with me earlier mm, on. The absolutely. The reason I was on the bridge because they were on the bridge. Yeah, <laughs> basically, oh, you're valid in your position on the bridge. Yeah, there's always elements of that, and it's always downbeat, isn't it? It's always, yeah. um, you know, woe be us. Uh, I know one of them was literally kind of joyful in the sense that, oh, I, I told you months ago that it was going to be 22 million. Yeah, why are you happy about it? I don't understand why you're happy about this. Um, yeah, this could be a really progressive move towards the future. I mean, there is a realistic possibility that within, I mean, we're in August now. In six, seven months' time, we may be able to watch six games of Super League over the course of a weekend in some way, shape, or form. And do you know what? I know people talk about the cost of living crisis and various things, and it is expensive nowadays. Rugby League fans, proper rugby fans, we know the hard cause. They'll pay for it. They will pay for it. it, As long as as the quality is good, as long as the actual product is good, they will pay for it for sure. So I think this could be 
Mass, this could be a transformative moment potentially uh, for the game. They've just got to get this next step right. We've just got to know how they're actually throwing them out there. Um, the other final point, what well, the kind of related point to this, is obviously the video ref, as you mentioned, the bunker out of you. Someone raised the good question of, do we have enough match officials for that? And the answer is no, with the way the games are currently scheduled. I, I mean, there was three games or three or four games on Friday yeah. wasn't it, at the same time as the derby, etc. That means they have no choice but to stagger the fixture list. Yeah, it's looking like, uh, I know uh, Matt Shaw's kind of put a, a follow-up piece out and it's kind of put a, a couple of additional points that have apparently come out of this meeting and it, it looks like Sky are potentially doing away with guaranteed Thursday games. And have you, so, have you noticed they've been doing less and less last yes, week, haven't they? They I did have, think, they have trialed this. I did think, I know we mentioned it last week on the podcast because we filmed Thursday night and we said there's no game on. Hmm. And they've done it quite a few times and they've had sort of Saturday games or Sunday games on. Um, so they're looking at potentially, obviously, as you say, staggering games. Um, does that mean we maybe go into the Monday slot that kind of championship games have been run over the past couple of years? Obviously, their TV deals out to tender as well. So what's happening with those guys, we don't know. Is that Monday slot kind of coming free? Do we see more Super League games being played on a Monday night? I think... Championship teams and championship fan bases have enjoyed the Monday nights from what I've seen. I don't know what if you've seen any different. I've seen. I think it's been enjoyable. And I know there was the Cumbria derby last night, wasn't mm. there? And I've seen plenty of clips from that. And people, I think it was a last minute drop goal, wasn't there? I mean, yeah. it's one of those things where audiences have not been huge uh, by any means. And I think by a player literally going out of the UK out of there. So I don't yeah. think that's, that's possible for next year and like that. But. <laughs> I think I think there was mostly positive. I think the old they did the uh, the sign up deal didn't they as well at the start of last year. And I mean, I signed up because they, yeah, they also had the Challenge Cup game, didn't they? Yeah. Um, I think most people signed up at the end of last year and at least carried it on for a season. Yeah. Um, they're fun uh, if you get access to it, it, it. It's a fun. I think it's good for the Championship fans. It'd be good. I kind of feel like Championship just, especially now we're going down the streaming route, just put Championship in our league if you can. I, I feel like that's just the route to do it and do some kind of season ticket or something like that. Yeah. That seems like the logical thing. I hope uh, the championship, I mean, I hope we're not in it, but I hope the championship is televised next season, that's for sure. Fingers crossed. Um, but yeah, that Monday night's interesting. But I mean, obviously, you probably wouldn't do it at the start of the season, but no. from June, I mean, there's that bracket for, there's kind of that six, seven week period where obviously there's no Premier League. You don't want to yeah. go, you don't, you don't want to compete in Monday night football, especially not oh. business end of the year, but in the summer, yeah, why not? Yeah, we, we, we kind of looked... I mentioned it to you, didn't I, um, earlier on about the Channel 4 deal. It's a great deal for those guys, especially in the summer months, when there is no football on. Yeah. Because they can go in that prime kind of Saturday 3 o'clock slot and have really no competition in other sports. It's kind of the only sport on, free to view as well. So it's it's ideal for those guys. Yeah, I'm I'm sure. Like I say, currently, it was a two-year deal, which also runs out at the end of this year with Channel 4. So there's nothing signed for next year. Oh, I'd yeah. be amazed if they don't pick it up. Um, and, well, I don't think it's any coincidence that this Super League statement literally says there would also be the continuation of a three-to-air window. Yeah. Um, they, they've referenced it. They've referenced the fact that there is going to be three-to-air Super League in some way, shape, or form next season. And as I, as I say, the thing with Channel 4 has been uh, they've simply covered the production costs for these two years. Mm. They've not actually paid for the rights. We gave them the rights in order for it to be on terrestrial TV. I think it's been a successful trial, I think. Uh, numbers are not quite as high as they were at the very start. Don't be wrong, but that's that's part of the course. That's just what happens. Numbers are still good. There's still more people watching. 
I, I always find with Sky as well, people um, under or overestimate how many people actually watch on Sky. Um, mm. There are more people, trust me, watching one of the lowest rated Channel 4 games than there is one of the highest rated Sky games. That, that's, yeah. that's the level of terrestrial TV. I mean, I think the, the Leeds Warrington game they kicked off with last year on Channel 4 had about 750k viewers. She's crazy. No Super League Grand Finals get anywhere near that. Um, that that's that's the level they're at. So it is worth being on there for sure. Mm. Um, and yeah, you can throw a little bit of cash our way um, to even make up the deficit, yeah. <laughs> which we're losing with Sky, then we might be in a situation if they can announce, even if Channel 4 threw us what? If they threw us a million, let's just say they threw a million quid a year for the rights, we'd be getting the exact same amount of money as last year and we'd be getting four extra games on TV a week. Yeah. For the and, and Sky be covering the cost of all those games. Yeah. All of a sudden you're looking at it in a very different way, aren't you? <laughs> from, oh, absolutely. From and um yeah, fair play. I am like I say, I've still got to see it executed, don't get me wrong. But in terms of the groundwork, you probably have to say to IO commercial, fair enough. Um they've done the job and to IMG, I mean, I'm not gonna give IMG too much praise because this is very much their bread and butter and they should be doing yeah. this. Yeah. <laughs> but um it's a step in the right direction, isn't it? That's for sure. It's it's been a bit of a difficult sell for IMG. I know a lot of fans have given them a bit of flack, especially at this morning after the announcement of the deal. But they were kind of they kind of started behind the eight ball a little bit with how oh, yeah. kind of the RFL and Super League's been run over the last couple of years. Um, There's no shock that the TV deal went down last time. Um, I know Sky Sports weren't really happy with with Super League and kind of the way it was being run. And the kind of products that we we were putting on um, as fans, we 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 could probably have seen this coming. We know the constant changing of structure and how the league works, whether it's super eights, whether it's one up one down, whether it's licensing, which is kind of just gives a bit of uncertainty of how many games you're going to be able to put on a season. Hmm. Um, all we know is that kind of the loop fixtures that we've got on the one up, one down maybe isn't working. Yeah. The loop, the loop fixtures, especially. Yeah. I think it, it's a big bugbear of a lot of fans. So, I mean, we, um, the, uh, Friday night, we play St. Helens for the second time at home this season, which is a strange one. Yeah, for sure. So, so it's, it's, but IMG, it's a 12, it's a 12 year deal. And it's, it was never going to be a fix in 12 months. So it's a long term project. It's a long term kind of deal with these guys. They're putting the groundworks still in place. This is what this licensing is going to be and this is what these this criteria that they're coming out with. It's to kind of improve the sport as a whole. And it's meant to be a, a challenge to these clubs that have maybe been stagnant for 20, 30 years and just kind of ridden on the fact that oh, we're all right, we're just in Super League. Yeah. We kind of win games, we finish mid-table, we don't really, we're not progressive, we're not looking at kind of the next generation or anything like that. IMG are really kind of putting them to the sword and really challenging them to improve and get better, which is only can only be a good thing. Yeah, yeah, I think absolutely. I think you nailed it there in the sense that it's a twelve year, twelve year agreement they've signed, and twelve years is a long, 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 long time. <laughs> it's a very long time, especially in rugby league. And I don't know how many times I have said the word patience on this podcast, but I mean, Ugh. I mean, twelve years ago, I was thirteen. You know what I mean? Like it's a long time. <laughs> Just, <laughs> Twelve years ago, what Ian Mould was in charge, was he? <laughs> you know, what I mean, the entire Paul era, everything yeah. since the cast fan has happened within twelve years. It's a very, very long period of time, and yeah, you, know, you know, there's already hit pieces today after the initial, you know, after the initial story came out, like oh, 
are they fit for purpose? All this kind of stuff. Yeah, they are. Yeah. They're a massive multi-billion yeah. dollar company. Um, do I agree with everything they've done? Do I agree with all the grading criteria? Do I agree with all that? No, no, I don't. But I don't think you'll find anyone who agrees with every single element of it. No. Um, no. But you'll probably find a lot of people disagree with different elements of it. <laughs> and probably yeah. there's all different kind of opinions that that's the point. And I do think, although, yeah, the thing with the IMG grading as well, and I think this is probably a separate podcast because obviously we want to talk about Castaway, mm. so I won't go into it too much. But um, in terms of the criteria, it's also impossible for us to look at it as fans because yeah. it's impossible for us to remove the bias. As much as I try, I cannot. I've got to look at it through a cast lens as much as I can. Yeah. And and there's elements of it which don't stack up right. And you know what? The reason for that is cast are not in the best position as a club. It's as simple as that. Obviously, we want to look at stuff and go, well, we want the one that secures cast and Super League. It's simple mm. as that. And that's been the problem with the game in, in a long way because the owners have, have taken that same approach for years and years and years. And that's what they're trying to kind of get away from. And I guess the final point in IMG is as well, which I'll just leave you on before we move on to the next bit is, there's probably too much focus just on 2025 and just making yeah. sure you're in the league in 2025. The, the door doesn't shut in 2025. That's not what they've said. Um, no. Is it a slightly different door? Yeah. It's a slightly different door to what we're used to, for sure. But the clubs, uh, as long as you can financially survive, and honestly, that's not IMG's fault. If, a club, if you go down as a club and you cannot financially survive, that's not the fault of IMG or the rugby league no. or anything like that. That's the fault of the club. Yeah, uh, it's as simple as that. It's been the case. It was the case with Bradford. It was the case with Crusaders. It's the case of all those clubs that went down. It wasn't necessarily the rugby league's fault by any means. It was the club. Um, as long as you can make yourself financially viable and put plans in place and literally just do what IMG say, you can get it in in twenty six. You can get it in twenty seven. You can get it in twenty eight. That's what it is. You've got to look long, long term. Too much focuses on what's our grade this year, yeah. what's our grade the year after, and no one's even thinking about the grade in 2026. But they need to. That's what they're trying to put across, and it's a hard sell. I'm not even fully sold on it, but I can see what they're trying to do. Um, yeah. So yeah, I think we'll do a whole episode on that because because it, it is massive and it is worth talking through that criteria. So we are getting to the point where um, the initial gradings will come out. But again, I'll probably just downplay it a little bit because whatever, we'll, we'll get there or we won't. Um. We'll do, we'll do one question just on this before we move to Cass Wakey. So Rob Goddard did ask, um, if every game is televised next season, people can watch at home and we're going to have different kickoff times around the TV schedule, do we think attendances will suffer? Um, I'll ask you first. It is a fair question, I yeah, think. absolutely but, uh, is. What's your take on it? Because, Well, your initial thought is, and I mean, I, I, I think I said it to you this afternoon, I went, if every game's... The initial worry will be if every game's um, televised, attendances will drop. Yeah. Not necessary. Not necessarily. Fans will still want to go and watch the games. I know I will. I know you will. If it's home game, you'll be going. I think it just gives the option to people who don't kind of normally travel. And I think mm. it is for those guys that don't normally away travel to away games. Yeah. Like I, I think I've been to maybe one away game this year, whether that's through work commitments or money issues, not wanting to pay out, say, 25 quid for a ticket plus petrol, which is still kind of extortionate at the moment and everything else. Um, being able to, having that option to say, stay at home, watch the game, whether or not it's kind of a little bit of a extra expense if you're paying for our league, whether or not they put it on for a fiver or a tenner, it's, it's, it's still giving back to the sport. But you'll have those fans that want to travel to every away game 
who want to go to every single game. And I know, I know people, I've got friends who go to every, every game religiously. I don't think it'll discourage those guys. I don't think they'll suddenly be sat at home going, oh, well, I can watch it on telly. No, they, they want to go home and away and support them in February when it's three below snow on ground and, and things like that. I mean, me and you have done as time um, working for the club in those those conditions, travelling over over the uh, Pennines in the M62. We, we know how tough it can be, so all power, to, all power to the fans that do it week in, week out. But I don't think it would necessarily affect attendances. It it might have a slight drop in away ticket sales, but it'll be very, very slight, I think. Yeah, and you've got to look at examples, haven't you? I think that the most obvious example, because this real fear was about, well, I want to say it was 10 years ago. It might not be yeah, 10 years ago. It might be more recent, but uh, I follow with the EFL yeah. um, below the Premier League. Obviously, there was a very, there was a similar kind of, uh, anxiety, I suppose, about the mm. possibility of streaming games. It was a very similar process to what I imagine could be an hour league system where you pay a fixed rate and you, you get the game for free, yeah. uh, certainly as an away fan. Um, I mean, that didn't have a real impact. Again, minimal. Yeah, there will have been a minimal impact, certainly yeah. on the fans travelling, I'm sure, but also fans don't make the money on away... Uh, sorry, clubs don't make the money on away fans. You can't no. you can't budget for away fans. They don't do that. Um, mm. You know, they're up and down. It is what it is. Hull will bring loads to ours. Catalan bring none. It doesn't matter. Like you, you budget on your home fans. You, you, yeah. Your job is to get home fans through the building, uh, through the gate. Um, the EFL have not seen a massive problem with it. I don't think. I think I follow the fact it still exists has been a success. Yeah. I mean, the EFL has, has had such a, a minimal reaction to this that they're even looking at getting rid of the three pm blackout. And I think within the next five ten years, I don't think there will be a three pm blackout. Um, no. In fact, even more recent than that, I think because I believe the new Sky deal encompasses 3pm games I think in a couple of years time so that's how lack of worry there is there yeah. and from a, from a rugby league example here's a hot take I think this schedule will actually improve our attendances regardless of, regardless of whether the games are on TV I agree two examples for you one from Sunday Leeds played Warrington at Headingley that was available in our league it was available for as I said a tenner or six ninety nine, whatever it was the day before that was a 15,000 crowd on Sunday. That was a very, very good crowd. One of the bigger crowds of the year at Headingley for that game because it was a good game and it was a Sunday and it was an afternoon and that's the kind of time rugby league fans want to go to games. The fact that there's going to be less Thursday and Fridays or crammed into Thursday and Fridays, probably a good thing because it means there's going to be more games on Saturday 3 o'clock, there's going to be Sunday 3 o'clock, Sunday 5 o'clock potentially. We know as cast fans we'd get bigger attendances in those kind of oh, games absolutely. regardless of whether it's on telly. And the other example for cast as well, our biggest crowd of the year we had 10,000 against Saints. Guess what? It was on TV. Yeah. <laughs> it was on Channel yeah. 4. It was on Channel 4. So I think anyone worrying about attendances, that was free to air. Never mind behind the paywall for a tenner. That was mm. free to air and we still got 10,000 through the gate. Uh, admittedly, first home game of the season, but that's still one of the biggest crowds in recent years. So mm. yeah, I don't think attendances will suffer from it at all, to be honest. I think it, it can only be viewed uh, as a pretty positive thing. I, I'm so happy we've had this chat because like I say, I, I was struggling a bit this morning when the only info we were given was we've got a reduced deal there's nothing guaranteed else this looks a lot lot more promising so um hopefully like i say they execute it properly but hopefully a positive day for super league and rugby league generally um speaking of positive days well caveat friday was pretty good friday was pretty good you can't see him but adam just did a fist bump that's how that's how pumped he is for this chat yeah um uh, Adam had, had the pleasure of viewing it from a nice warm 
<laughs> warm house or pub wherever you are watching it on the TV. So you've got the best view, really. Yeah. Um, I, I was at the ground. Um, first of all, I've said this endlessly on Twitter, credit to the away fans. Uh, we, we were brilliant. Uh, it was one of the better away ends I've been in, in years, um, particularly obviously down that far right end. Um, just loud, weren't we? It was very, very loud. Yeah. Some of the lads have performance, which we're going to talk about in a sec. But yeah, all the travelling fans, after a very difficult year as well, um, there, there was a lot of cast fans in that end. There was certainly more than the 550 tickets they gave us, that's for sure. And um, we were very, very vocal, very, very passionate. And um, it was genuinely a very, very good away day. Um, but yeah, the game, we'll start off with just the question from McCauley 2009. Thoughts on the game generally? And then who would your man of the match be? The game as a whole, you've got to take it as a positive. I think we can officially say that that's our best performance of the year. Mm. I'd nail it down. Um, I'd put it over Magic. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Um, I think there was just a passion from the players that were out there, 1-17. to And I think you couldn't fault anybody's effort, anybody's passion. You could tell that they were kind of playing for each other, which I hope translates to the rest of the games this season now. Because I think that has been lacking a little bit. Um, you kind of saw, and I think it, it kind of comes down to a new kind of thought process be- behind the scenes, obviously having a new coach in Danny Ward uh, and Dane Dohe. Dohe? I can never pronounce his name right. Uh, Dohe. 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 Trying forever, um, but it's nice to see kind of the positivity, and it was nice to see after the game the players really celebrating it because it was the right thing to do, celebrate it. And I know a lot of the players were overtaking selfies with the fans, um, which I hope solves a bit of the issues where fans have been complaining about players going straight down the tunnel, which is never nice to hear on no. social media when they say certain names have just headed straight down the tunnel, especially after after tough losses like we've been having. Um, it's never good to see. You want these players kind of thanking the fans that are travelling in force to a lot of places. Yeah. Um, speaking of man of the matches, um, I think the fans kind of nailed it with the one that kind of Cass have announced with uh, Liam Horn. Absolutely, an absolute firecracker. He did 80 minutes in the middle, which I don't think will have been the plan initially. But I think because of the injuries to Broadbent and Massey, George Lawler was probably needed more in the yeah. forwards. Yeah. Um, I rec- I said to a couple of people, I, I, I had a thought, Lawler obviously started the game and I'd have expected him to come on his second stint as a hooker to spell Horney and just give him that little bit of rest. Maybe that first 10, 15 minutes in the second half, just kind of let him have a little bit of a breather and re- and then bring him on towards the end of the game as that real firecracker that he, he cast fans are becoming to, uh, starting to love. Um, but to do 80 minutes in that middle with that intensity is really good and really great to see him. I think Tassi Pale played well again to speak on the new signings. Um, Westerman just keeps going this year. I think... If it's not him for player of the year, it's Jack Broadbent, which it's unlucky to see him kind of go off with a discated shoulder. Whether that's his season done, we're unsure at this moment in time. Hopefully not, because we could deal with his talent in 
whichever pl- position he plays in. I mean, look at Brody this season. I think um, if they'd have asked him to play middle, um, I reckon he'd have done a shift. He's just one of those sort of guys that wants to play rugby and he, he does it at the highest of his ability every single week. So he's been a real bright spot this year. Uh, but yeah, I'll pass it on to you now for your man at match. See if you disagree with me at all. Hard to disagree. It's hard to disagree with any performances, really. I think Horn, yeah, obviously he got fans man in the match, as you say. Um, mm. He was excellent. He was excellent, as you say. I, I, obviously, you looked at the team at half six when it came out and you went, well, okay, there's no Jordan Johnson in there. Maybe Ward just don't fancy him. Fair enough. <laughs> if that's the case, then I, I don't understand why he wouldn't be in the squad if he really fancied him as a player. So maybe it's just one of those things. Um, thought Lawler was a better option at nine. I get it. Again, Jordan Johnson was very much, of all the signings, he was the Andy last signing because he'd obviously yeah. have played with him. And, um, they kind of had that past experience. I know they were good mates as well. So we also don't know how Johnson took the sacking as well because we didn't mm-hmm. know they were very, very close. Um, so, yeah, that was the, the not fear because obviously we liked what we've seen out of Liam Horn even in the fear mm-hmm. of Huddersfield, to be fair. But it was just, yeah, can he do the minutes? Uh, obviously, you could see Lola were going to be spelled, as you said. I think you're, you're right there in the sense that was that was the plan and that was just kind of um, wasn't able to be the case because of Massey. But, I mean, he looked, at, he looked as fresh 65 minutes in as he did yeah. five minutes in, to be honest with you. And, he was quick off the mark. Yeah. Um, and he kind of even mentioned his press conference before. He, he was struggling a little bit with the play of the ball. Um, made, made a bit of a dig towards the English game, generally, that we just don't play the ball properly over here as opposed to us, which is true. Yeah. Um, I think he literally said, oh, they just don't put the bo- uh, foot on the ball here. I was like, I think it was uh, James Dayton just went, well, they're meant to. <laughs> just like, we don't. We just don't. Um, but that didn't certainly phase him. The occasion certainly didn't phase him. And I don't want to get ahead of myself, but I think he might be the best kick chaser of all time in rugby league history. <laughs> he's, he's like an absolute heat-seeking missile when the bomb goes up. Um, that yeah. was excellent all night long. He yeah, was I great. Think, um, go on. I think Max Jowett were, uh, maybe woke up Friday night and we're expecting to see Liam on at foot of his bed. The amount yeah, of times that he uh, kind of was straight in his face. I agree with his kick chase. He's just relentless. And I think, I'll just sorry to jump in. I just think one person we, that I forgot to mention, we haven't mentioned yet, is obviously Blake Austin, and the influence that sort of he had on the game. Not only kind of his performance, but you mentioned it last week in the podcast. You kind of called it. He kind of released Jacob Miller, didn't yeah. he? Yeah, I think so. I think I think I said today it's no coincidence that it was Milky's best game. Uh, I really don't think it is. We, we discussed it for the podcast last week. He's just not had a consistent half partner all year long. It's been, you know, Brody doing what he could. It's been Riley Dean, probably not ready. Uh, Widder for a little bit, but they never really had a chance to kind of get that cohesion together. And all of a sudden, Austin on, you know, half a week's training on one leg. There's a lot of strapping on that leg as well. Even that was enough. And I, I don't think we even saw close to the best Blake Austin on, on Friday. I think we probably saw Blake Austin at 60-70%. And just a word on him, um, but yeah, Milky deserves that praise. Austin, I thought kicking game was superb. Do you know what really impressed me? Especially considering, like I say, he was clearly carrying a knock and we didn't even see his run game, which is his real threat, uh, which is what's exciting for the next kind of four or five games. Um, defensive intensity. From yeah. from Blake Austin shooting out the line, making hits, like tackling as well as any halfback I've seen. I've seen for casting it in a good while, while pretty much injured mm. on a, you know a six game contract for a club he's probably not going to be at next year. You know I mean, that says a lot about him. I think that says an awful lot about him, and he, he certainly bought into 
whatever Danny Ward's brought, whatever the club's told him um, over the last couple of weeks. And that is a real, real positive going forward. Um, so, yeah, we've mentioned Horn, we've mentioned Austin. Westy was always going to get the Sky Sports Man of the Match. <laughs> always yeah, going to get the Sky Sports Man of the Match. It's probably no coincidence. It's wrong, really. But it was also in the Daily Mail. It was also in the Daily Mirror because they've waited to get the stories out. They get to wait to get the interviews out of them until this week. They wanted a big Sky game. Mm-hmm. I wish I'd backed that. To be honest, he was always going to be the man of the match. Thinking about it, but he was he was excellent. He, he certainly he certainly value for it. He pretty much value for man of the match every week. To be honest, Charbel Tassipala is for his second game in the UK at this level. Scary. Yeah. Uh, that 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 he he can play. He can play and. Just like Horn, very happy he's here for next year and potentially a year later as well. And uh, said some good things in the press as well to the, mm. the post the last couple of days. Um, very, very impressed with him. I'm going to throw up my idea that he's a little bit in the mould of Rhys Martin, the fact he played in the back row as well and did a very good job there. Um, he's probably a little bit more physical than Rhys Martin, to be fair, uh, based on that. Um, not quite the pace in the legs that we he suggested because he didn't couldn't, couldn't quite burn the fullback. No, he uh, he made <laughs> that break. Try, but, yeah, um, he made that break and it looked a bit. He didn't want to back himself. I think no. if he backed himself, he might have been able to brush him off. But yeah. either way, um, a great performance for him. He loved his try as well. Oh. Um, nice little social media post from him afterwards saying he, he loves the club. Can't argue that after after just a month. Um, who else is there to mention? I mean, across the board, Elliot Wallace was great. Obviously, yeah. he kind of makes that try. One of the best breaks of the season. Um, taking the taking the high bomb, uh, spinning away as he does. Mm. It's remarkable, really. We've got to get there, and I know I know you've been pulling it off, but I mean, we've talked about five, six, seven players here, and we've not mentioned the fellow who's got a hat trick. I mean, you can't you can't stay away from him. Greg Eden was no. back to his finishing best. I think he finishes tries very, very well. The yeah. scrum move was back to where we should have been doing all year to be honest and finally we managed to put one of those together the scrum move was great um, and and probably the finish for the third was one of the easy ones but you've got to give him his, his flowers for the uh, the finish of the first try I thought I was discussing this yesterday and you know I, I, they always say the best finishes are you know the ones where the, the corner flags fly in and your legs are practically in the stand and you're getting the ball down they take some doing as well though where you've literally yeah. got, you've got to go over the top of a winger uh, at that kind of short distance that was a that was an experienced winger's try wasn't it from Greg yeah, I think it was Mason Lino and Max Jowett that both ended up on the backsides of there with Greg Eden kind of going over, kind of scoring over the top of those guys. Um, I think Greg were great. I'm probably one of Greg's biggest critics, and I'm not scared to sort of admit that um, within my friendship group, and you'll know as well. Um, I actually messaged you when I saw the team, gra- uh, the kind of game day graphic on Friday night, uh, on Friday morning, sorry. Saying, "Oh God, they've used Greg Eden for thingy. This is a hat trick incoming." Um, <laughs> thankfully, you backed the hat trick. Um, I didn't. I, 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 I have had a couple of. I might have had a couple of pounds on the hat trick. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't have the bottle <laughs> to kind of actually put it on, uh, but you did, and you've made a little, a pretty penny off it. So, um, you're welcome for that tip. Oh no, um, I'll, sorry, coming. I'll, I'll, anyway. <laughs> I'll not make it a regular, giving you my tips. Um, but yeah, I think you you are really good and. It, kind of showed that the quality that Greg does have. I mean, he, the hat-trick took him to 150. Was it, was it Super League tries or cast tries? I can't remember. I think it was. It might be Super League, I think. Um, Super League tries. But, I mean, the quality that Greg has is obviously as a finisher. He's got negatives in other parts of the game, but as a finisher, there's arguably nobody better in Super League. Um, he knows his way to the try line. And that's 
why when people were calling for him to play fullback this year, it's like his value as a winger is astronomical yeah. because he, he knows his way to try line and it is kind of made for these sorts of games when you you kind of want in summer and he's got that little bit of magic that kind of comes out and he will go and score an hat trick when you need it most. He's almost somebody can back to do that. Yeah. Um, so it it was nice to see him bag a hat trick and it'll do his confidence the world of good as well, knowing that he's been in and out with injuries and and that this year. He he he's a guy that loves to play rugby. He just loves the game. So being able to get on the field and do well, it'll it'll be brilliant for Greg. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think you're right as well. Obviously, we know his key position. We know his better position. I would say a lot of the things that have kind of um, shrouded his career early doors is that some of the errors he, he, he has as he's grown up and he's 31, 32 now. I think he's he has started to take those out of his game for sure. And he's a lot he's a lot more sensible as a player now. I'm, I'm touching wood because we do play on Friday. But um, he has generally been a lot more sensible in the last year or two. And I mean, his, his record speaks for itself. I'll just say he's not quite on a try a game um, for Cass. But I mean, had he not had those cameos at fullback, had he not played at standoff last year for, like, for a month, <laughs> If he'd have played every single game at fullback, uh, sorry, on the wing, he'd probably had more than a try game, which is just remarkable. I mean, we're talking about John Monaghan, Josh Charlie, as those kind of wingers, super league great wingers who managed to do that. He's not too far away uh, by any means in terms of his try ratio, and he would be right up there if not surpassing them if he played on the wing uh, for his whole career. So, yeah, at least for the next six games, we don't know what we don't know what happens for next year. We don't know if he's going to be here next year. I suspected he would. Uh, we'll see. Um, obviously it depends who we're going to bring in as well but at least for the next five games I do hope and suspect there's some more tries to uh, to cheer in the next few weeks um, following me on to some questions uh, one final player I want to pick out actually Jordan Turner I thought was excellent I thought he was yeah. very very good and you know what I kind of I was kind of ringing the funeral bell when I was earlier in the year I think we both said with all due respect to Jordan who's a great bloke and and, and been a great great player he's looked about done to be honest in terms of me he's at that stage of his career it's not disrespectful to say that he is at the no. age where he's near enough there um but he came back in off the injury uh, it was a broken thumb wasn't it mm-hmm. um i thought it was great i thought it was it was a good idea as well they had a little bit of size in the centers obviously with josh griffin playing and, and they, had, they had a little bit of size there. i think langy didn't play in the end but um he was thrown in there and it, it, it was good to kind of number up and he did a great. He did a great job. I thought he played very, very well coming back from injury, and hopefully he's he's a really good asset to have for the next five weeks as well. Particularly with Broadbent out as well, it's good that we've got a centre coming back in. Um, but we'll talk about the team on Friday a little bit later on. Um, some questions then. So Jack Westmoreland first, albeit it's only one game, so we're not going to get carried away. But here we are. We are going to get carried away, aren't we? Uh, if Danny Ward had got the job two years ago or even earlier this season, do you think we'd be in a better place or a position? It's one of those where the answer is probably yes, but ultimately, uh, <laughs> he didn't, did he? <laughs> he didn't get the job. And it's one of those things where I don't know what your take on it adds, but like, yeah, I, I think realistically, should Danny Ward have got the job after Pauli? You can say that, but hindsight's just twenty twenty, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, you've just said it perfectly. Hindsight's twenty twenty. We can sit there now and say probably should have got it, but who who was to say that Radford didn't turn us into an absolute force to be reckoned with, and we end up doing what Saints do and win treble and win everything? We never knew. Obviously, Radford came with a kind of reputation and a, a CV that had two Challenge Cup on it with Hull FC. 
a bit of a defensive coach, maybe going to make solidify us up defensively, maybe not the best for his attacking flair, which has kind of been, was kind of our bag under Pauli was maybe we were the best defensive team, but we were always going to try and score more points than you. Well, that worked. Obviously, it's not worked. And we're in a situation now. Last year, obviously, took over. We know Danny Ward obviously interviewed for that job. But I think um, we it were always going to be Lasties. Yeah. And it were going to be his until he failed, which ultimately uh, he did. And he's now been relieved of duties. But it just, it's kind of if buts and maybes. Who would have said that two years ago Danny Ward wouldn't have taken the job and failed himself? And we won't be in this situation searching for a new coach now. It, it's ha- it's happened the way it's happened, unfortunately. Uh, maybe it's not put us in the best position, but we could just kind of, we, all we've got to do is move forward with what we've got. It's probably yeah, the best I, way to put it. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Like I say, there's so many different hypotheses you can have. I mean, the, the mad thing about Lee Rafford last year, obviously, is, I mean, we can even talk about it this year, but I mean, we were injury plagued last season. It was terrible, really, last year. Even worse than this year. And I think mm-hmm. as Aaron Bauer put a piece out today about the lack of spine we've had all year. Um, that's not a comment about our backbone. That is a, that is a comment about our actual fullback, standoff, scrum off, hooker and loose forward just not been on the field at the same time. Um, but last year was even worse. We were just mm. terribly, terribly injury-stricken. And you look at that season, you go, well, the final game of the season at Headingley, Leeds beat us with a last-minute try. We're no worse than Leeds in that game. We're about the same level of Leeds Rhinos. Mm. And they made it to a grand final. And you go, well, if we don't concede that try there, who's to say we don't win a little playoff one of ourselves because we were the same level as them? We're not going to beat Saints in the final because no one is. But, you know, it, again, it's his what's and maybe It's so many different things. And could Danny Ward done a better job two years ago? Yes. Could he have been sacked after 10 weeks? Yes. Who knows? Uh, and I think all we can really do is just be grateful that he's here now. Yeah. Uh, really, and just kind of live in the here and now, and which is what I try and do. I try not to look back too much. Uh, every time I look back, it's something negative. So I try not yeah. to. <laughs> I just try and go positive. I did a whole episode of that. You all listened to episode one. I don't think back too much. Um, we've got a little bit of positivity this week. So I think let's just be happy he's, he's here now, really. And that better place position you talk about, that's hopefully where we're heading. Um, so we'll just crack on with that. Um, Carl Gibbs has also got a coaching question. So we'll go to that next. We did answer this, well, tried to answer this a little bit last week on the Wayful podcast, but I'm aware not everyone listens. So we'll have a little chat about it uh, off the back of a win as well. Because obviously we mm-hmm. know Danny Ward and Dane Dorothy seemingly know what they're talking about, which adds to this. Um, where do you think Craig Lingard fits in going forward? Um, fit, sorry, fits in going forward. He's had a two and a half year deal. So out, out of all the coaches, he's probably got the safest contract. Do you think the club will move Morel on and find places for Lingard alongside Dane Dorry under Danny Ward? Big old question, big chunky question. It is interesting that he's got that two and a half year deal. Yeah. Um, do we know? Because that's the thing. Obviously, at the time, it's, it's a weird one, isn't it? Because obviously, this is not football. Contracts actually mean something in rugby league. Yeah. And it, it takes a fair bit to knock someone off a two and a half year deal. And it's probably why Andy Last was in the job so long, because it takes quite a bit to pay him off. Craig Lingard's not come for nothing. Um, I don't think it'd be on a huge wage, but it, you shouldn't be expected to be on here for nothing. You've got to think, he got he got that two and a half year deal at a time where the club was very much committed to Andy Last. Mm. Um, the club are clearly not committed to Andy Last now, so he's not there. Craig Lingard's just kind of in the building. He's a very good coach. We've got a lot of time for him. 
ultimately it's just going to be down to whoever the head coach is in 2024, isn't it? And hopefully if we stay up, I don't see a, a reason why it wouldn't be Danny Ward. So is the answer just, we'll just see if Danny Ward likes Lingard, I guess? I think from our standpoint, obviously we, we, we don't know what conversations are going on behind the scenes in the coaching room, at training, or what discussions have gone on at board level when Danny's come in. Obviously, Dane Dorahy's come in as well. So there's now technically four coaches yep. in that team, which you'd say is a lot for a rugby league team. But kind of who's the odd man out almost? Um, normally, is kind of a head coach with two assistant coaches, seemingly, mm. is the way that it goes in rugby league. So kind of who misses out? Is it Scott Morell? Is it... Lingard. Or, or does anyone do, do, does anyone miss out? Though? I mean, there's a there's kind of an assumption yeah. that's got to be the case. I mean, the example obviously we always go back to is Paulie, and obviously Paulie always had Danny Orr and Ryan Sheridan. They were his assistants. Yeah. Um, there was also a period where Richard Marshall was knocking around the club, and I know he was Halifax yeah. coach at the time, but he was but doing bits. Richard Marshall was at the majority. I can't remember what season it was, but he was at the majority of games. He was clearly mm-hmm. helping out as it on a whether it's some kind of consultancy basis or literally doing Daryl a favour, I don't know, but it was around the club. So that would be your Scott Morell, I guess, that that would yeah. be fourth man. So, I mean, if the, if the club can afford, I think it, it really comes down to those kind of practicalities, really. If the club can afford to have four coaches at the club, and I don't know, I don't know the answer to that question, and all of those four people are happy with their jobs and they feel like, yes, you're providing something, you're providing something, you're providing something, and the club is improving as a result of having four people there, Bear in mind, there's also a proper reserve grade now, which is technically yeah. Scott Morell's job anyway. Mm-hmm. If we can afford it and it makes sense, then sure, keep keep all four there yeah. if everyone wants to be there. And I think the thing with Craig Lingard as well, you've got this two and a half year deal. You're going to have to pay him that regardless. He's clearly a good rugby brain. Would you not yeah. just, if he's happy to stay at the club and maybe kind of be a second or third, fourth string, if he's happy to be at the club and in a good position and happy to come into work every day and provide to the club, You'd rather him be working for you rather than just paying paying him to do nothing, wouldn't you? Yeah, absolutely. You want that kind of passion, passionate coach there, and and Craig Lingard does seem to have that passion to better the club and better the players. Um, he seems to enjoy being around. Um, obviously he's letting his Batley job go at the end of, end of the season as well, under the assumption that this two year deal would then be in place for him to go full time with Cass yeah. as an assistant coach. So it's a little bit trickier. There, I feel like obviously the part if we kind of give him his, his walking papers as well as that, him having let the battle job go, we kind of make him fully jobless. Um, so he, he, can, always, he, he can always get about a job back though in a heartbeat. I reckon, <laughs> I reckon. The, the element is that he's his assistant has taken the job at Batley next year, isn't it? So I think it's, I he think he get, joked, joked definitely... in the press that he could yeah. he'd go back and be an assistant at Batley, yeah. <laughs> I mean, he get he just get the next championship job, wouldn't he? Whatever it might be, uh, I mean, oh, yeah. and, 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 and to be honest, he, and he wouldn't be a bad bet for a, a lower Super League job anyway if one became available. Uh, I think he'll be fine regardless. Yeah, hundred percent about that. But yeah, I, I think my take is if the club can afford to have all four there and it works and everyone's happy, then they'll crack on. Yeah. Um, it might be that Danny Ward just wants... I mean, the thing is, Danny Ward's not brought an assistant with him as well. That's the other element of this. Dane Dory's not his assistant. He, no. he came over separate. Clearly, they're working well together. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess the interesting thing is, having listened to what Dane Dory said to the club, is Dane's been looking at the attack. 
that was interesting because clearly that's what Craig Lingard's coming to do with Andy Last and had a bit of an impact. Mm. If them two, so there is an element, maybe they stop on each other's toes a little bit, but also they could just bounce off each other and be an absolute yeah. dream team. There's the element of that as well. If they get on as blokes and they do seem like both top blokes, but they all seem like top blokes to be fair, they might just all work together and it might just work brilliantly. Who knows? Um, We've it, got it, sort of five... It's decisions to be made at the end of the year, isn't it? Yeah, I were about to make the exact same point. Um, sorry for butting in off the top of you, but we've got five weeks till the end of the season. That Danny Ward and Dane have been in post what two weeks. It's we've still got time to figure out who likes who, who who can't get on with the other person. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's 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 a question really. Is that for the end of the season when they've had time to sort of get to know each other? We've had time to kind of figure out what works at training and what doesn't. So I think it's a kind of a case of watch this space to see if anybody does go. Yeah, exactly. I mean, up to now, Danny Ward isn't even, doesn't even have a contract for next no. year to be a coach. Let's deal with that first. Let's yeah. deal with who's actually going to be a head coach first next year and then we'll we'll worry about the coaching staff. But for the time being, we've got four coaches. All we've got, all we've got good rubby brains, good blokes, mm. love the club, want to keep us up. And I think it's just yeah. a good thing, generally. Absolutely. Um, okay, a couple more questions then before we get on to Saints on Friday. Uh, this one's from Roscoe Tiger. This is not my um, burner account, for anyone wondering. <laughs> um, out of the remaining games for both ourselves and Wakefield, again, we did answer this a little bit last week on the Heritage Podcast, but we are a little bit more optimistic now, I guess. Um, out of the remaining games for both ourselves and Wakefield, who do you think uh, realistically, um, who do you think realistically the games both teams can see winning, um, which is a Interesting way to write the sentence, but which teams, which games do you think we can win? Which games can Cass win? Which games can Wakefield win? Uh, and also, how many wins do you think saves us? Uh, obviously, two points clear now. I think the point difference is around 50 ish. Um, yeah, so the running, if I can remember that, I don't remember the Wakefield running off the top of my head, but the Cass running will be Saints this Friday, then Warrington away on the Saturday. Uh, that's a three o'clock kickoff on Sky, I believe. Then it's Hull at home, and then it's two away fixtures. We've got Wigan, and then obviously the final game of the season at Headingley. Uh, we'll take that on first before we worry about Wakefield. Um, hopefully, we don't have to worry about Wakefield at all. Of those five games, we kind of discussed it last week, didn't you, in terms of games you'd focus. For, I mean, you have to focus on home games because they're home games, and it's as simple as that, especially with the atmosphere that should be brought now. We've got a little bit more optimism. Um, but I did also make the point uh, uh, last week that at least two of those away games, you can probably write off Wigan a little bit and just see where they're at at that point. But you've got Warrington and Leeds, who are both, you know, they just they kind of scrap to a, a last-minute win uh, on Sunday. Neither side in a great position. Warrington potentially slip out of the playoffs this week because they've lost, I think, eight in a row. Um, Leeds might be taking their spot, but they've been far from convincing. And Rowan Smith's job's even been questioned uh, by their fan base. Both of those teams we've beaten this year. So yeah. you've got to look at it as there's at least four opportunities out of those five, isn't there? You've got to say. Yeah, I'd definitely say the the home games you've got to target. Yeah. And I feel like the tougher one, the tougher home game is obviously this Friday against St. Helens. We'll get on to and that that look is which a bit we'll come on to. Yeah. Um because Hull FC are far from convincing. The they're always a team that's just surprisingly they're doing very unhull FC things because they're actually winning games towards the back end of the season this year, which is mm. normally they've dropped off at this point and they, they 
can't buy a win, which is always a funny thing. Um, but they are picking up wins and they're not looking bad, but they're not looking overly convincing. Um, Warrington and Leeds, obviously, you you mentioned it last week and you just mentioned it then. We've beaten those guys this year. We know what it takes to beat them. Um, and I think Warrington has seemed to be in free fall. Um, I'm not 100% sure what the mood is in the camp there at all. I think, it, Obviously, I think it's bad because, I don't know if you've seen, sorry about that, but um, Sam Burgess is currently jobless. They've let him go early. Yeah. So Burgess might be in post by then, mm. which, so they might get a little bit of a bounce off the back of that. But at the same time, if he's not in post by then, because I think he is on gardening leave as well, so he's yeah. not a guarantee. Um, <laughs> if Warren are trying to get Burgess over earlier than even next year, that means they're really, really, really worried <laughs> for this year. That means they're looking at that table and they're going, when are they going to make playoffs this year? And that'll be two years on the bounce. That's unheard of for Warrington. So yeah. Burgess coming over early is not necessarily a bad thing for us, I don't think. And even when he comes, I mean, he was a he was a great player. I don't really know what he's like as a coach, to be honest with you. I don't think he'll be in post by the time we play them. But even, if, even so, the fact they're even trying to get that, get him across early, says it all, I think, doesn't it? It, it screams a little bit of desperation. Absolutely, and it's it's sad to see because um, Super League's obviously wanting some great uh, these great teams like Warrington to be up there battling for um, kind of playoffs and grand finals. Obviously, they've spent a hell of a lot of money on players, um, got some really talented guys in there, talented individuals. Clearly, it's not working as a team though, which is a, a big disappointment for those for those guys over there. I think. You make it. I think going to Wigan's always a tough one. Yeah, it goes to one of two ways, doesn't it's, it? Yeah, we either end up nicking a win or we end up getting nilled, seemingly, yeah. which has sort of been my experience, and it ends up being a tough, tough night. Um, and they're playing well. They've got a lot of X factors in that team where they can blow a game apart in ten, fifteen minutes, and you 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 stood there wondering what the hell's hit you. Yeah. Um. I just think it's still going to come down to Headingley. It's just a sport is a cruel, cruel mistress, mm. and it will come down to that last game of season against Leeds. I think we might pick up one win out of Warrington and Hull FC, and then I think it'll come down to needing that extra win at Leeds. So answering the other part of the question of how many wins do you think we'll need, I think we'll need another two, personally. So you think Wakefield are going to win two or three, basically? Two. I'm, also, two. I'm not. I'm not so sure. Wakefield, to be honest with you, and I, maybe I'm being too optimistic and too pessimistic. Mm. On them. Um, I, I think we'll find out on Friday. To be yeah. honest, how many, how many wins Wakefield are going to get either way? Uh, they've got Salford away. Mm. That feels big for them because they'll look at this week as well as the perfect opportunity to bounce back as well. Uh, as we said multiple times last week, this isn't over yet. It's not over. No. It felt massive on Friday, but. We could be back at the same situation this time next week because obviously we play St. Ellen's. We'll get onto that and the fact that any team playing St. Ellen's can never expect to win. Um, so they'll look at that expecting us to lose and they'll go at Salford away, which is probably their most winnable game, I think. They also play Hull KR, I think, last game of the season, which you're probably arguing there, but probably their most winnable game. So they'll look at this as a massive target and they'll go, well, if we can knock off Salford and Cass lose at Saints, then we're back to square one a little bit and it's all to play for with four games to go. Um, if Wakefield can't get it done this week against Salford, I, I don't think they win a game. I, I actually, I really don't. I think they might. I think their heads might go big time. 
uh, if they lose at Salford this week, and hopefully, fingers crossed, that's what happens. Um, but they've got they've got some difficult ones, haven't they? Like I say, Hulkar's in there. Yeah, uh, I forget what the fifth game is, but I know they play Lee and Catalans in between. Yeah, so I've got the running here for those okay. guys. Um, so it's Salford away, as we mentioned this week. Then they host Saint Helens. Right. Okay. Okay. Which is an interesting one. Then they and then they back that up at home again against Catalans. Then the travel to Lee and then Hulk KR final game of the season. It's not easy, is it? <laughs> it's no. not easy by any stretch because you've got a lot of teams playing for stuff there as well. Saints, Catalans and Lee are going for that high as, uh, high as they can finish. I mean, Lee have been the surprise package this year. The yeah. fact that they're in the top three, top two, can't remember quite where they are, but they're up there. They've won a Challenge Cup. They're absolutely flying. Yeah. They're not going to want to kind of stumble into the, these playoffs they're going to want some momentum and that game being I guess their last home game with it being the second to last game uh, Lee being at home I guess it's their last kind of regular season home game Yeah, they're going to want to kind of end the regular season in front of the home fans in a real big way Yeah, so I feel like that's the tough one <laughs> that's going to be a tough one I think Saints is a tough one the Catalans one for me could be a slip up They've travelled better than usual, though, haven't they? Hundred percent. They've been good this year. This year they've been really good and they've travelled really, really well. I just worry about again. They've got issues about discipline. Hmm. Certain games this year have been discipline. I mean, Mickey McAloran gets in binned anytime I seem to turn telly on and watch <laughs> Catalan's game. So it's if there's a little bit of a indecisive yeah. moment and in ill discipline, could it turn into a bit of a Maybe I'm stealing a win, which I feel like with the kind of um, everything that's on the line, these Wakefield players are kind of going to want to turn up. I agree with you saying that that Salford game this week's the best chance they're going to get of picking up a win because those players are going to want to Bounce back. Re- redeem themselves from everything that happened on Friday. They went into that game on Friday needing that win. Yeah, That, that was their chance to... Sh- pull themselves off the bottom after the season they've had, that was their big chance to kind of take control of this rele- relegation scrap that they've had basically no control over at all this year. They have not been in the driving seat. They have not been looking like the team that are going to survive. And I think that's the interesting thing with Wakefield, I think, where we've kind of... I think it's the one example where maybe our more experienced players, the fact we've got like guys like Gareth Widdiff and stuff like that have been in kind of big moments has probably helped us a little bit in a way where we've had a few big moments this year. And I think with the exception of probably Huddersfield, um, which obviously proved to be Andy last last game, I think the pressure on that one was obviously we all knew it was Andy last last game yeah. if he lost. But there has been big-ish moments for us this year. Wakefield at home, Leeds at home, on Sky, Magic Weekend, and of course yeah. Friday. Look, I know we're talking about just two teams beating two teams there, but they were all big pressurised games, those mm. all on TV, everyone watching, particularly on Friday. And we've come through all those and those kind of big derby matchups on Sky. Wakefield have picked up wins, don't get me wrong, they picked up big performances, but they've been on Sunday with nobody mm. watching where they weren't expected to win <laughs> against your Warringtons, against your Wiggins. You know, no one expected them to come through there. Maybe Wigan and Warrington, make, well, I mean, Warrington were a little bit of free fall anyway at the time. Maybe Wigan were, I mean, Wigan named a really good team that day. I think they yeah. didn't turn up. I think yeah. looking, at the, looking at the record, I think Wigan didn't turn up and I think there was a dodgy ref decision in there as well. But yeah, I don't know if I've talked about that. Um, 
But uh, yeah, I think Wakefield have struggled a little bit when the pressure's been on this year because they've really not had it. I mean, Magic Weekend again, perfect example. Magic Weekend, we put one of our best our best performance to date at that at that point. They were absolutely dreadful against Leeds the next day, knowing they had to bounce back because we just beat Leeds. They've and, not done, they've not done well under the microscope, and the microscope's on them again Friday, isn't it? Yeah, that were a twelve man lead for the majority of that game as well, wasn't it? So Terrible. it were they were a perfect opportunity to kind of nick a win especially on a stage like Magic Weekend and really drive their season. I see what you mean. I know it sounds insane. I know it sounds insane because we've only won five games this year and we've had our worst season in 10 years. But we look like we can deal with the pressure more than Wakefield do. Uh, At that moment, I think that's fair to say. And yeah, I I think this is a big pressure moment on Friday. In in a way, I mean, if we could pull something off, and we'll talk about it in a sec, if we could pull something off Friday, I think we could pretty much wrap it up Friday if Wakefield then were to lose at Salford. I think that would be near enough done. Um, and they'll know that. They'll know that as well. Yeah. Um, right, just two or three more questions. Very, very quickly. We'll quick fire these before we get into what, uh, Saints then. It's time's getting ahead of us. Mm-hmm. Uh, Josh asked, uh, how do you think we'll utilise Paul McShane if Horn continues to get better? And has proven, obviously, he can play the 80 minutes. Now, I'll start by this saying, I don't think this is a decision we're going to have to make this season. I don't think we're going to see Paul McShane um, by the end. So that's the kind of the assumption that McShane won't be here next. Uh, won't be here to the end of the year. Will be next year, of course, so, unless something happens. Who knows? Um, I, I mean, Horn can do eighty minutes. Don't worry, was brilliant. But if you can spell him for half an hour, he could have some real explosion, couldn't he? I yeah. mean, you, you, you certainly don't just drop McShane off the back of a, a few Liam Horn performances. McShane's still been doing it for the best part of eight years at the, at the highest level. So. Uh, I'm sure he can come back and, and do a job. Um, obviously, we'll see what his body's like next year. He'll be a little bit older, um, so he probably will do more minutes on the sideline. My take on this is it'll simply help both of them. To be honest, I think Liam Horn can learn a lot of Paul McShane, and the fact we've got a really suitable nine there coming off the bench helps Paul McShane's body because you don't have to play 80 minutes as much himself. Yeah, I think we kind of covered it. Covered this little topic in episode two when I was first on, and I did kind of my team looking forward. Yeah. I mentioned signing a hooker there that we could, because obviously McShane's not getting any younger. He's been doing 80 minutes for the last sort of four or five years. Every single game he's been in there all the time. It's taken a toll on his body and he's starting to slow down. We, I think we started to see that a little bit this year. He's not as kind of willing to come out of dummy half and really take on the defence. Sort of what we've now got with Liam Horn. I think it was quite exciting to see him kind of jump out of dummy half and really take on this Wakefield on Friday. So being able to kind of spell McShane and have this little bit of a different dynamic to the team, they're not the the same hooker. No. They have different skill sets, which I think is good because we'll be able to change his um, focus and his direction and kind of keep teams on the toes, which is a positive as well. But I've, there's a position for McShane next year, no matter what. He's the club captain. He's a modern legend of the club. I think we can officially say that now. He's he's one of our best players for the last sort of five years. He'll be here until hopefully he retires, fingers crossed. Um, he's a great, great person to have around. He's almost like a coach off the field. He's very intelligent, very smart bloke. So I think there's definitely a position for him somewhere in the club, no matter what. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And yeah, there's no problem with having three hawkers at the club either. I mean, Kane Rob has obviously been... People have been crying out for Kane Rob. I think it's clear he's not been quite ready. It'll be interesting to see, obviously, what Danny Wall's take on 
Kane Rob is, uh, if he's around next year, and obviously we hope Danny is. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm more comfortable. As much, I really like Kane Rob, don't get me wrong. I'm mm. more comfortable with Kane Rob being your third option than your second yeah. option, personally, at this stage of his career. That's not a knock on him. He's still very, very young. He, he could become a very, very good Super League hooker. Mm. Uh, but for the time being, there's absolutely no problem with him being third string, get loads of games in the reserves or back in the championship next year. And then, I mean, chances are one of them's getting injured at some point, aren't they? So <laughs> Ken Rob can then come in and be more useful for us. I think it works all the way around. I think it's just a good headache to have, frankly. Um, Steve McNichol, next question. We'll keep the short and sweet. I think the answer's quite easy, unfortunately. Um, should we keep Blake Austin for 2024 if that's a possibility? Um, I think the second clause in that sentence is probably the key element there, if that's a possibility. Blake Austin probably won't be on that much money in the grand scheme of things right now with Cask. I think he just wanted a quick way out and we won't have paid over the odds for him just for six weeks. But wherever Blake Austin is next year, he'll be on marquee money. Um considering the fact we have Gareth Woodup signed up for next year, we have Jacob Miller signed up for this year, and we have Danny Richardson signed up for next year, I don't see how we can possibly find a place for Blake Austin on the cap next year at Cass. And also, you've got to assume that it's probably not, and you know, I'm sure he'll put all his all in for the club, as we mentioned earlier. He was excellent on Friday. I'm sure he's going to give his all for six weeks. Aspirationally, does Blake Austin want to be at Cass? Probably not, if we're being brutally honest, and that's that's fine. That's fine. I get it. Isn't he? he was an NRL star? You know, he probably wants to play for one of those traditional top four clubs. We can't provide him that right now. And um, my only surprise, really, I know, I know it's behind the scenes stuff, but all that behind the scenes stuff could have been avoided if Leeds had just given him a contract for next year. Yeah. And I'm still a bit baffled that they haven't really. Yeah, strange. Um, on Blake Austin again. You mentioned cap. It's also a quota spot. Uh, yeah, good point. Yeah, with the row with the rumor signings that we've already signed up. Um, the two Papua New Guinean forwards in Port and Namo. There's rumours of a Lebanese second rower that El Zakam coming in. Whether or not we're looking at anybody else, we're already tra- looking like we're going to have to try and move on some of the quota players, um, or at least one of them. Um, obviously with the expectation that Austin will be leaving. Billy Sikrikas is obviously only on loan, so he'll be leaving. So that's two places, potentially three signings coming in that need a quote spot somebody else is already having to kind of be shipped out who that'll be will be we might not know I think Matagi's out of contracts and we'll see um, we'll see at the end of the day but Bete's signed up for next year is it, the quota argument's probably one that we'll cover in length sort of later on in the season when it comes to sort of a, when we're figuring out these, the uh, 2024 squad um, but I, I can't see Blake Austin being part of that no, no. And as long as he puts it, if he puts it in for six weeks, we'll name a stand after him. It's fine. Yeah. It's a legend. <laughs> it's absolutely fine. It, 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 can, it can create his cast legend status in six weeks. It doesn't have to be for two years. It's absolutely fine. But uh, yeah, with the, with the half pass we've got at the club, as you mentioned, the quota spot, I didn't think about that, to be honest. Uh, and just the, just the fact he'd probably want 250, 300 grand a year at least. Um, no, I, I can't see it. As long as he does a job for us for six weeks, that's fine by me. Uh, Mason Hurst then other positions we should look to strengthen next year if we stay up uh, I'm not going to answer that really Mason at, at, at this time mainly because I'm aware of time but also as you mentioned we're probably going to do that at the end of the year in, in a big way when we really look at the quota spots there's usually a bit of an announcement week which I think is clearly yeah. pushed everything back until the end of the year to see what the division we're in Where we are signings and everything I imagine as soon as the season ends, it's going to go a bit crazy on the Cast Tigers Twitter feed. There's going to be a lot of re-signings and, uh, and new signings coming in left, right and centre. So I'm sure at that point, 
uh, we'll have a real look at the squad uh, in terms of what we've got next year and in terms of other positions we should look to strengthen. I think the time for looking to strengthen is probably done anyway. I think the signings have probably already been made uh, for next year. Obviously, we've discussed a few of them, so we'll probably just judge that um, when we get to it. Right then, game on Friday. St. Helens. Ooh. Free hit? I, I think it's a bit of free hit, really. Um We've got more opportunity of beating St. Helens than we certainly would have done a few weeks ago. Uh, I'm not saying that's a massive opportunity. They do have a few injuries, which we'll talk about in a sec, and certainly their pack is a little bit worse for wear. Um, obviously, like you've got Matty Lees as well, who's suspended as well mm. uh, as part of that. Uh, obviously, Wormsley out for the year, all that kind of stuff. They are a little bit down in the haunches, but they're still a team competing for League Leader Shield, as we said. They're still up there. Catalans are still a very, very good side. They've won four Super Leagues in a row, for God's sake. They are the world champions. We're not going to go in expecting a win on Friday. We shouldn't expect a win on Friday. Should we expect a good performance on Friday? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And as long as that performance is there, uh, I think we can come away somewhat happy, even if we suffer uh, a defeat by a try or two uh, on Friday, to be honest. I'm really... One thing I didn't think I'd be in a situation to be in four or five weeks ago before the Danny Ward appointment, before all that, I didn't think I'd be going into a game against St. Helens with six games to go. Uh, sorry, five games to go. Still only two points clear of Wakefield. I've actually been quite excited for it. I'm quite excited to go down on, on, on Friday night because I think there'll be a big crowd. I think we want to get behind Danny Ward in his homecoming. I imagine there'll be eight, eight and a half, maybe even a few more in there uh, on Friday. The atmosphere will be bouncing after what we put together on uh, at Wakefield on Friday. Um, I think it's just, in a way, it's a dream game, I think, coming out of the Wakey one. I know that sounds silly, but the fact there's no real expectation of result, I think it really helps us, isn't it, on Friday? Yeah, I think you've hit the nail on the head there. It's kind of a free hit. Nobody expects us to win. Nobody expects us to really do out. So why should they be why should we be putting pressure on ourselves? We've coming off that win and we've we've got that real feel good factor a little bit back in the club, back around the fans. The fans are seemingly a little bit more happier this week. It's not been doom and gloom, which is quite nice to see. Um, I haven't seen too many people moaning about in, uh, any individual performances from the weekend. It's People have found it tough to pick any negatives, which yeah. is good. If we can do that again and this week and kind of have a performance, if even if we don't win, if we can see that kind of effort, that skill set increase, and we're in the, uh, the wrestle, the fight a little bit, we're... We said it last week, and we we kind of said on the podcast last week with the, with the Wakefield Trinity guys, we weren't hundred percent sure if we'd win, mm. but what we wanted to see were a reaction and a yeah. performance, and we got that, and obviously ended up with a win, which is a, a massive positive and cherry on top. But it was the way that we played; we didn't kind of scram, scramble to a win, we didn't kind of nick it at the end, and got lucky. We we clearly were the better team that night. Against yeah. Wakefield, we deserved that win. If we go into Friday and we're in that wrestle against a very good Saints team, no matter if they've got injuries, their their youth team, they seem to churn out three or four youngsters that are absolute elite every year. Yeah, they've got guys they're replacing Alex Wormsley. Athlete that George Delane is incredible. Yeah, absolutely incredible. And I mean, what is he? 18, 19? I can't. Uh, he came out of the uh, Bradford Academy, didn't he? Oh, he, he he's just bit. an absolute. He's just. It is a clone. He's a clone of Wormsley, but yeah, you know, it's incredible. Younger and <laughs> yeah, like where they find him, I don't know. So 
credit to their scouting team and credit to their youth youth setup because they've got it every year. They seem to unearth some absolute wonder kid. So I don't think there's an issue of their quality, whether or not they've got injuries or not. So it'll be fun to see how we match up. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, I, I just say I think we can just go in with it, no fear. Uh, we can throw the ball about. Obviously, it's the first time. It's the, probably the most we have thrown the ball about on on, on Friday. Just gone. I think we can we can throw some shapes at them and see what see what kind of happens. Um, we're gonna have confidence. We're mm. gonna have more confidence than I think any other game we've had this season. And well, apart from maybe Friday, um, which is it's interesting really because you know I say there was criticism before the Wakefield game of you know ah oh, he's only had three sessions with him. Ah, oh, they let him go on holiday. Ah, well, all this kind of stuff because Danny Ward only had him in from the Monday. If you watch back Liam Horn's press conference um, where he spoke to the media on the Thursday, the day before the Wakefield game, it's about a seven-minute video. If you go back and watch the what Liam Horn is saying and the way he says it, I think the only surprise is he didn't win by 50, yeah. to be honest. Because he is, I think twice, he just goes, oh, we'll get the result. He was nonchalant in the way he thought we were going to get the result. It wasn't even a consideration. It wasn't, oh, we're going to try there, try go there, and you know maybe get a point, or we're going to, you know, we're going to do our best. It was no, we're going to go and win, and it was very, very straightforward. And you know there was talk of like obviously cast uh, cast players around the town in, in the days beforehand, and you know I spoke to a few people who bumped into cast players, and they were saying very much the same stuff. Mm-hmm. It was the, the lads are bouncing, they're really confident. And there was no doubt they were going to get the win. So the confidence is really, really high in the camp. All of a sudden, Danny Ward's clearly, regardless of what kind of rugby know-how we give him, he's certainly instilled that. And he's kind of, I think, made it fun, to be honest. Mm. It looks like he's kind of brought some fun around the place, which maybe has been drained out a bit, a little bit, mainly due to results. And you can argue it's just lasted generally, but I think results obviously don't help that. Um, so, yeah, I think we'll just throw what we've got at St. Helens. If it's not enough, it's fine. I think we'll back them no matter what. It's the fact we got the win on Friday is, is big. Obviously, it gives you plenty of leeway with the fans this week. Um, we'll support them no matter what on Friday. If we lose by 30, but we actually throw something at them and really chance their arm and they just pull away at the end. I don't think you could you could complain too much, really, as long as the effort's there and the performance is there. Mm. And as I say, who knows? I mean, stranger things have happened. That's for sure. You wouldn't have expected Wakey to pick up wins against Wigan and Moriton. So maybe, maybe we slide one of those in. That would be nice. Um, talk about the team then, just to finish off. Um, I know a friend of yours did ask this question. So with the current team, including injuries, what would be your 17 for the running? He's asking for the running generally, but of course yeah. that starts on Friday. The two considerations really injury-wise on top of what we already had was obviously Jack Robin, broken collarbone, we think. Uh, that's a massive shame. You mentioned it earlier, but he's been great this year. So it's, it's a crying shame. He's, he's probably going to miss the rest of the season, but his efforts will not be forgotten. Uh, yeah. That's for sure. Probably broad has been fantastic. Uh, Massey, as you said, also picks up a knock. I'm not sure the extent of that, to be honest. Um, for the uh, for the point, you probably don't want to risk in this week. Shall we say no, Massey? Uh, I'd say no, Massey, for this week yeah. at least. I suppose we'll find out. Yeah. Obviously, we're recording this Tuesday night. We'll find out the team on midday on Wednesday. Yeah, I um, mean, you probably know more than me. Cause you, I, I was, I was a few too many two pints deep to realise what he'd actually done. So <laughs> I certainly don't know the extent of the injury. So I think we'll leave him out of that. Yeah, one. the report that uh, Jenna Brooks came out with was his his knee. I believe he took a knock um, in the first half sometime, and obviously never came back out for the second half. Okay, okay, fair enough. Hopefully, just a stinger, but we'll just say no massive for now. Uh, and I guess the other real consideration, which we'll get to when we name the team, uh, will be Alex Meller. Uh, obviously, mm. 
the team. That's an interesting one. I'm interested to hear your take on that. Um, so fullback, we'll start. I think all the backs generally, uh, the back three, picks itself, doesn't it? Basically, yeah. You go with up Wallace and Greg Eden. Easy. I think that's the almost the easiest it's been all year. Yeah. Kind of for that fullback, he's, he's last, and then obviously carrying over into Danny Ward. They seem to trust with with that fullback spot. So happy to run with it for the rest of the season. And if we want to review it at the start of next season, whether or not uh, if it is Danny Ward or whoever he's coaching going into that 2024 season, obviously we don't know. They'll have their ideas probably going into that season. Who who wears that number one shirt? Yeah, and I think as we mentioned last week, the fact that Blake Austin's in the team makes it an absolute cert because especially as Austin starts to run again, uh, as he starts to get less and less injured and less and less strapping on that thigh, um, you'd like to think you've got, you know, with uh, receiving off him is it can only be a good thing and they can only improve their partnership as well. So completely great. Uh, that's nailed in. Uh, we'll have Widdup at fullback. We'll have Greg Eden after his hat trick on the left wing and Elliot Wallace, who big, big part about Wallace as well. Very good on the right. It's yeah. rare to get a really good right winger. I mean, Tony Makinson, who we're playing this week, is probably the best. Yeah. Uh, he's probably the best I've ever seen in terms of an actual right winger. Wallace is very, very good on the right, which is um, a, a good asset to have uh, as a winger, I think. Mm. Um, I mean, they tend to score more tries on the left generally because people pass to the left to find it easier. But um, yeah, it's good. We've got a, a really solid option on that right side. Centre then. So this will be the first kind of decision to make, I think. Uh, I'm going to say straight up John Turner starts. I think he has yeah, to. I agree. Based on um, based on his performance on Friday, he proved his fitness. Obviously, it was a broken thumb. So obviously, he was still running and stuff. So there wasn't an issue there. His cardio was still very good. Uh, from Andy last kind of last few press conference, we know he was putting in the extras and he was making sure even when he didn't really need to be in, he was making sure he was coming in, John Turner, which is just a measure of the bloke, I think. Um, he was doing all his rehab running uh, while he was nursing the thumb, so he definitely starts at centre for me. Other centre spots, obviously Jack Broadman's not going to be playing. What do you reckon? Because there's a little, a little bit of a decision to make here, isn't there? There's a few different options we can go. Obviously, Tassie Parley made his first get, uh, appearance against Huddersfield at centre. Mm. Uh, Alex Foster went into centre after Broadbent's injury against Wakefield. I thought Fozzie did really well. Um, I saw a couple of people complaining about a couple of penalties that he gave away, but I thought few and far between normally in Fozzie's game. It's it's not a, a he thing wasn't, I'd He wasn't expected to get thrown into that situation either. No. I, I agree his second half was better than his first half. Yeah. There was a couple of little ones here and there, but you're forgetting as well, he's, he's straight out of the two years in the championship as well at this point. So he's going to take a little bit of time to get up to speed. So yeah, I'm not too worried about that. Um, crack on. Yeah. And then obviously the the men, uh, player you mentioned before we started this in Alex Mellor, obviously he's played a lot, spent a lot of time at centre this year. Does he come back in and resume that role? I, I, it's really a toss of a coin because we don't know how Danny, Danny Ward wants these, these guys to play, who he favours, who he doesn't. Um, Mella, I have not heard anything. Why you missed out? I don't think it was injury. Uh, I think we'd know. Uh, I think we'd know if it was injury. I think it had been reported on Sky for one thing. Mm. He's his vice captain in the day. Yeah, it, yeah. The, the lack of I, I don't know. I honestly don't know. Um, his performances hadn't been. He'd not been playing the house down because none of them had. No. At that point, you know what I mean. So. I don't know, maybe it was just one of them where he dropped him for this game just, just to kind of like really throw the baton down at him and just go, all right, here you go. When you yeah. throw him, it might just be a bit of a motivational thing from Ward and go, well, when you when I pick you next time, it better be a 10 out of 10, I guess. Yeah. Maybe it was just one of those motivational things. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but I think um, I think I'll go Alex Foster at centre. 
personally. Okay. Okay. I don't disagree. I don't disagree. I think the fact he um settled into the task, I would say, and obviously took his try well. Um yeah. obviously and um certainly played well in the second half. I, I wouldn't argue too much with that. I think that'd be absolutely fine. I think I think it's him or Mella. Um I think that those are the options. And yeah, uh, just on the basis we don't really know what happened with Mellor, I think you have to go. I think you have to go Fozzie in that role, to be honest. And I, I'm dismissing Tassi Parler because I've got other points for him, and I'm sure yeah. you do too. 100%. Um, Can I, I just mention a little bit of a bolter, potentially? I know we've not seen a hell of a lot of him, but obviously Will Tate. Hmm? I think towards the back end of last his stint, every time I saw Will Tate play, he seemed to only get better and better. And I know he has played centre for us a little bit. Yeah. Whether or not against sort of a tough St. Helens side, that's the right move. I don't particularly think, but he is more a traditional centre than the other guys who were probably second rowers converted into centres. This is true. This is true. I think my only consideration there would be he didn't make the 21-man squad, did he? I don't think. He was one of those that missed out. But at the same time, he'd only had two sessions with him. And he's, he's, had, an, he's had an extra week to look at Will Tate. And he was probably... I mean, simply on the basis, Danny Ward will know will be more familiar with Alex Foster's game, for example, than Will Takes because he's a young lad and there's one of those things. So after another week of looking at Tate, maybe you fancy him. Yeah, maybe there's another centre in, in the club. He fancies. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's, he's made no admission that um, he's been very clear the fact that he's quite happy to throw kids in there. So if there's someone else he fancies as well, I'm sure he'd do that. Uh, yeah, Tate's consideration as well. As you say a more traditional centre. I think Fozzy. I think it'd be Fozzy. But nice. yeah, I'd still I, go Fozzy. I could see Will Tate as, a, as an outside shot. Like I say, it just depends how he's gone this week, really, in training. I'm yeah. sure Danny Ward will throw him in if he deserves it. Um, six and seven, again, pick themselves. Uh, obviously, yeah. after last week, uh, Jacob Miller's best game. Uh, Blake Austin will only get better as he gets healthier. And his kicking game could be massive, obviously, against St. Ellen's this week. They can kick you to death, St. Ellen's, so you've really mm-hmm. got to fight, fight fire with fire and that. And hopefully, um, the thing is, obviously, regardless of how many Props have got out. It's still going to be a big pack, as you said. So you cannot afford for their kicking game to get on top of you because then the forwards get on top of you and then it becomes a very long night. So Blake Austin, I mean, people talk about our small pitch all the time, don't they? But he does lead the league in 40-20s. So <laughs> you've got to throw him in there. You've got to throw him in there. Um, yeah, they pretty much speak for themselves. So we'll move on to the pack. So starting props uh, and, well, I would say hooker, but I mean, that's Liam Hall. Surely. Yeah. No, oh, he's. I think Hooker's probably the first name on the team sheet this week. Um, you go, Liam Horn, hundred percent. Yeah. Um, I'm just trying to find the team from last week because <laughs> you've because <laughs> suddenly you went for. Yeah. You've, you've asked and I've gone in my head. I've gone. I can't remember who started. So I've got it for you. Yeah. yeah. So starting last week was Watts and Lawler. Yes. I find it hard to go away from that again. I thought Watts he really laid it down like the kind of foundation down. I thought Lawler was solid and had probably one of his better games this year, which can probably be said for most of the team. Um, so I'd stick with that. I, I wouldn't really change anything on that, mainly because the performance last week was so good. Yeah. Yeah. No, no qualms for me, really. No qualms for me whatsoever. And in fact, looking at this, I think the pack stays the same, yeah. isn't it? I think the whole pack stays the same, really. Yeah. You've got Watts, you've got Horn, you've got Lawler. In the back two... He's, well, he didn't surprise me because I, I did actually mention on Friday's podcast with Wakefield that he might do this. Yeah, Kenny Edwards after a, a bad few weeks, let's be fair, where he, we, you couldn't even tell if he was asked. He was booking 
music festivals in New Zealand for January. He's clearly leaving the club at the end of the season. Um, you wonder what Kenny Edwards was going to turn up. I was cautiously optimistic that actually under the bright lights and actually with a bit of pressure on him, uh, he'd, he'd actually come through and I thought he'd play very well yeah. on Friday. So he'll definitely play. Uh, clearly he's... Um, Danny Ward's on the same wavelength with him, on the right wavelength. It was good to see him kind of celebrating the win as well, a la how he did against Leeds. At Magic Weekend, I thought there were some um, similarities there. Back two as well, as you say, Chabot Sipala cannot take him out of that position this week, I don't think. No. Uh, he was excellent and, of course, number 13 picks himself every single week in Joe Westerman. Um, so, yeah, I think I think that's pretty simple and obviously you probably stick to that team for the the rest of the running, really. Um Presuming that, um, presuming we get well, performances up to scratch. Bench, bench. We can have a little go at the bench. Obviously, there's going to be two changes definitely because obviously mm-hmm. George Griffin and Sue Matagi was there. Who I yep. I would keep. I don't think they did anything wrong uh, on Friday. I thought they were fine. Um, but obviously Nathan Massey was on the bench as was Alec Foster, and obviously we can't have Foster on the bench because he's playing at centre. So there are two more people you'd add to the bench. One of them's Meller, right? I'd say Meller because he gives you that versatility for if there is an injury in the backs, um, which is kind of the same position that Foster was kind of filling. Yeah. Fozzie was a player that if any of his backline did go down, he'd jump in. If it were kind of one of the wingers, Broadbent would have probably gone onto the wing, Foster into the centres. That, well, that will have always been the plan. Yeah. Um, so Mella gives you that little bit of versatility, played yeah. in, the, which also Tassipale does as well, having played centre, whoever useful to have isn't it it is it's it's great to have those players that can fill in at different roles at the drop of a hat so i think mel is one of them that other spot's interest isn't it i mean it is are we going to rule out john and johnston because i think as we said earlier if you didn't do it on wakefield, at wakefield and it worked unless liam horn told you on saturday morning i'm absolutely knackered <laughs> then you probably just do the same again don't you? you don't bother putting him on and you just hope that george lawler can take that role on and yeah. again, against a big, big pack in St. Ellen's, you probably want a little bit of size in there if you can. Or an extra forward off the bench is always useful if you can go 80 minutes at, pro- at hooker or at least a spell between him and Lawler. So room for one more forward, I think, isn't there? And there's one name that we kind of mentioned, Mella missing out, but an interesting one that also missed out last Friday was Billy Sakrikas. Yes, of course. He yeah. wasn't in the team. And that was kind of a little bit of a surprise because obviously... I'd actually forgot about him until just then. I wasn't even going to say it. There you go. (laughs) Because obviously he came over as a big big mid-season signing. He was going to be kind of as big enforcer going forward towards the end of the year. And then first team that Danny Ward picks, he's not in there. Mm. Again, I'm not 100% sure as to why. I can only suggest if Danny Ward, he's a good attacking brain. He's got a good attacking mind. He's clearly a good rugby uh, rugby brain. Does some amazing things of a stew string London team. Mm. If there's one thing you suspect Danny Ward really knows as a coach, it's a prop forward yeah. <laughs> and what they're going to add to a team because he yeah. wasn't a bad prop forward himself, was he? No. Um, so I imagine of all the players in this team, the, the lads who will have made a conscious effort to figure out straight off the bat would have been all the props. It does. And he'll, he'll have a pretty good idea of which props are, are worth the salt. Yeah. It might be that Billy's not up to it and that's what Danny's thinking. Yeah. It could be. I mean, the thing is, there is an element as well. We, we brought in kind of, what, five signings? Yeah. Uh, I'll dismiss JJ because I think he signed a little bit previously. But if you go Austin, uh, Tassipala, Foster, um, Horn, 
um, Billy Sikrikos. It's hard to hit all five, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's very you, hard to hit five home runs. You're not uh, going so, five out of five at no. all. And we, we know that from past results when we've made signings and we've signed like seven or eight players and you know, you you never got all of them that have become first team regulars. Yeah, that's it. I mean, it will not surprise me at all if Billy is that, that, that prop on the bench. It might well be. Again, he's had another week to look at them. He's only he's only been in the job two weeks, you know. Mm. He, he's had very little time to look at these players. Wouldn't surprise me at all if Billy Spreakers is there if he feels he's up to it. But there might even be a consideration with Danny Ward, who I know I keep saying looking at next year, but I still think he's getting the job next year, no matter what. Um he might be looking at it and going, Well, he's not much better than Sam Hall and Sam Hall's there next year. Yeah. Or even Muzzy or I mean Brad Martin scored three for the for the reserves. Yeah. Of the week. yeah. So, you know, I think it'll just play the best prop he thinks yeah. in that situation, and that's absolutely fine by me. I just think I just think I'm just looking at size wise, looking at that sort of St. Ellen's team. Yeah. Billy Sacrecus, he's what, six foot four, mm. big frame, big body. When I've watched when we've seen him play in a cash shirt, I think defensively he's okay. Yeah. And I think that's what he brings. Um, and I think especially with Massey being out and sort of Massey, what Massey brings. Massey's not the big ball runner. He's yeah. not a Matagi. Matagi's your big one-up crash runner. Matagi, uh, Massey's there for defensive purposes. And I think Billy Sacreek is maybe in this similar mould. So him replacing Massey, I, don't, I think might be a decent swap. Plus size against this ginormous St. Helens team that they bring every single year. Yeah, and what you end up there with is a Billy Sacrecus, George Griffin, Sue Matangi, and Alex Mello. It's a very solid bench, isn't it? It's, it's, it? Across the across the board, it's a very, very solid bench. Yeah. On top of what is potentially, besides Jack Robert missing, probably our best 17 we've had all year, really. Yeah. Um, we're looking pretty good shape. We're looking pretty good yeah. shape generally. And it's just so so nice to be talking positively about cats at this point. We're still only we've still only won five games all year. We're still only on ten points. We're still not out of the woods yet by any means. But the smiles on faces, isn't there? The smiles on faces. I imagine there'll be another thousand, maybe two thousand, maybe even two and a half thousand on the gate on Friday. Hopefully, uh, Danny Wall's homecoming. I hope, I hope the club. I mean, the club gets slated for kind of pushing sales too much, but. <laughs> Don't mind them pushing it this week, to be fair. No, um, hammer many, it. <laughs> yeah, hammer it. Get as many through the gate as we can on Friday. Um, yeah, positivity across the board. Thank the Lord. It's been a long time coming. Um, hope, you've listened, hope you've enjoyed the listen, should I say. Uh, I've enjoyed speaking you through it for the last two hours or so, or just, just under two hours. Got through a lot. Um, it seems a long time since we talked about the TV deal, but I think that was a good chat and hopefully yeah. very informative. Uh, I, I recognise that everyone's on Twitter and <laughs> following everything all day uh, as we do. So if that's the first you're hearing about it, I hope we manage to kind of talk through why it's not a terrible thing that we might be missing out on a million quid. Um, yeah, just really looking forward to this Friday, really, mm. which again, not what I expected to say going into a game against St. Ellen's, but there we are. Um, any parting words, Adam, before we get off? Uh, nothing from me. It's been a pleasure. and I'm excited for Friday, as you say, which is a very shocking thing to say when it comes down to playing St. Helens, especially after the year we've had. So fingers crossed for Friday. Absolutely. Thank you again for listening. <laughs> Thank you for all the support. If you're one of the people who held on Friday night at Bellevue, it was a bit scary, but thank you. <laughs> I wasn't expecting that in the slightest, but yes, I am the Kaifcast person. Um, yeah, appreciate that, everyone. Um, yeah, excitement, excitement at the very last coif. <laughs>